0: Profit is not cash. Conscious saying, I'm going to launch a Facebook ad today. Everyone can only handle uh, I feel like we need to stop putting ourselves in
1: restrictions.
0: What do you actually want out of your business?
1: You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Galil Springer. For your industry, by your industry. A couple years back, in a conversation from this show, a guest challenged salon owners listening to reflect on what type of business they felt they were in. In the business of skin, cutting hair, or rather, in the business of people. And I think it's a really interesting question, especially if you consider the implications the answer can have on how one goes about leadership and management. If you're in the business of people, naturally, this includes your colleagues, clients, distributors, fellow educators, etc., And in that business, knowing how to connect, communicate, and lead thoughtfully with empathy can bring you that much closer and faster to your goals and help you get the best out of your team. The deeper inward you go, the more you discover about yourself and invest in personal growth development, the more your influence on others around you changes. The goal here isn't to promote unhealthy striving, the point isn't to battle the version of ourselves that we are now in order to arrive at a destination. It's important to be able to accept things as they are. Every phase of a journey has its benefits, its lessons. The effort it takes to resist what is only saps us of our energy anyways. So let yourself pause and take in the view. Instead of striving unhealthily, the goal is to go inward. Discover or revisit our values. Set goals based on what matters most to us. Reflect on what mark we want to leave on the people around us, the people we employ. Examine how we show up for those people and ourselves. And when you find yourself in that state of clarity, that's when you'll be the most receptive to education and mentoring.
0: I want to be the vehicle to translate and relate information that I have had the opportunity to learn and understand and apply and measure the, the, the success rates of it and or the non-success rates of it and take it and share it. A lot of teachers forget what it's like to be a student. You know, I think that when you are a teacher, you could either be teacher centric or student centric. I think I'm so far towards student centric. I want to really understand what the student needs from every experience so that I can deliver a learning experience that is going to give them exactly what they need. And I think that that takes some preparation ahead of time. If you want to teach well, and and, and by the way, guys, I know if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to teach. I'm a salon owner. Trust me, if you're a salon owner, you need to teach. It's one of your primary goals as a business owner. It is uh, required. Actually training is required by the law. So you have to actually provide that. You can't just, I know a lot of slaughters are, I'm just going to recruit people with a lot of clients that I don't have to teach anybody. You know, those days are over. Those days are over. I think one of the biggest problems that salon owners have that I keep hearing about is they don't want to keep having to teach the same thing to people and then potentially with people leaving. This is a big problem for them. Well, why not take everything you can teach, create a digital platform, get so good at teaching digitally and on camera that you're no longer repeating yourself, that you're creating these online platforms that are doing a lot of the work for you repetitively and in a beautiful way.
1: Nikki Lee is the entrepreneur behind three businesses that make up the Statements brand. Statements the Salon, the salon she opened at the age of 28. Statements the Academy, a tried and tested curriculum that helps students become fully booked stylists, and the Statements Project, a salon consulting firm offering career advancement resources such as mentorship, free technical tutorials, educational events, interviews, blog posts, and business development courses. A member of the beauty industry for over 30 years, her purpose today lies in advocating for salon owners and supporting small business team growth through connection, clarity, empathetic communication, and materials on compliance, compensation, leadership, and structured HR systems. One of Nikki's most current projects is co creating Mentor and Masters with Gino Stampora, an annual business leadership conference that focuses on the needs of salon owners and leaders. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You come highly recommended, I have to say, by Gino, by other people in the industry, other people within Forest. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to sit down with you and have this chat.
0: Thank you so much, Zoe, for having me on Forest FM. Honestly, I've been so excited about being on here, Um, and and we're just we're so honored to be to be part of this audience. I mean, Forest just has a very unique brand and. Uh, we deeply respect it in the in the industry, and uh, we're so happy that Force is kind of linking up with us on a couple of projects, and we're so excited about it. So, man, this is cool. I get to be on Forest FM.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I hear you're not um, you're not a stranger to uh, podcasting. You've been on quite a few podcasts before. How do you like the experience?
0: I love podcasting actually I don't want to do a podcast but my, you know I don't <laughs> want to do one I don't want to do one but, yeah. I, but I don't want to do a podcast. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like being on it. It's 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 you have to be very spontaneous, and you have to be very um, uh, so. Well, I like to be prepared. I know we talked about this off air, yeah. and you were incredibly prepared with some amazing leading questions that I was really blown away by. So, this is an, and I and I mentioned I'm going to say it on air because I think it's important to say Zoe does a beautiful job at curating great information from the speakers that he brings on to this podcast I think that's why you guys are getting some incredible information
1: thank you so much it really really means a lot honestly it's something that I take a lot of pride in so it uh, it always uh, goes straight to the heart when it's noticed um, I'd like to start today's conversation by first reiterating something that I mentioned as I was introducing you how your purpose today lies in advocating for salon owners and supporting small business team growth. Now, a few years back, I was working on a presentation and I was reading this book from the head of TED Talks, Chris Anderson, and in the book, he said the following thing. Your number one mission as a speaker is to take something that matters deeply to you and to rebuild it inside the minds of your listeners. So if that's true, and I want to ask you now, what's the number one mission of A, the educator and B, the mentor?
0: Well, I think we have to first identify that there's differences in presenting information to people. I think that self-education has become such a giant wheelhouse these days. Um, You know, the formal sense of education that it was in the past is really no longer, uh, you know, I was saying to you off air earlier that cosmetology schools back when I was starting out with 30 something years ago, it wasn't, it, it was, they were very difficult to find. Now schools are everywhere. And and, and big business. And so Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes whoever is the mentor or the guide or the teacher or the educator doesn't necessarily understand the difference of the scenario that they might be in. So first, I think to identify the scenario that you're in. So what does the student or the mentee really need from you at that time? So to really understand the relationship that you're in is important. So if you are a student and a teacher and they are there for you for eight hours to learn a skill then to deliver in the most concise way possible without wasting anyone's time, the skill that they need and then hold that student accountable to, to, um, practicing that skill and to, to gain the skill when you're a mentor, it's much different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's different than coaching too. So I think a mentorship is really to, about emulating who you want to be, um, in that, in that role and then finding the right people that actually connect to you because i think if you if you try to mentor someone that isn't trying to simulate some similar similarities with you yeah. um, that they're not trying to go down that same path i don't think that mentorship relationship can be very successful uh, i think first you got to find the right people it's really about identifying and taking the time to learn the person first and to make sure that that role and that relationship is going to yield the best results and to to really give it the time to do that and i think that can everything What I've seen different in my role as an educator right now, I want to connect with every single audience member. I want them to, I want to know what they need from me so much Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think that when you are a teacher, you could either be teacher centric or student centric. I think I'm so far towards student centric. I want to really understand what the student needs from every experience so that I can deliver a learning experience that is going to give them exactly what they need. And I think that that takes some preparation ahead of time. I hope I answered that question. Okay.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. But I'm, it, it actually sprung another question to me. Like in terms of how you see yourself and your role within the industry right now, like would you consider yourself more of an educator, a mentor,
0: or both? I would consider myself an educator, much more so than than really any other role. Right. Even though I do play multiple roles, I play. A role of educator first and foremost, which is my strong suit. It's where I'm strongest in. I, I think an educator prepares for the classroom by you know, trying to identify what the students need most, uh, researching the topic that you're going to be teaching, creating a very structured curriculum to deliver it as concisely as possible. Um, those are the things that I'm strong at. So I would say that I'm a, an educator first and foremost. I think that as a mentor, that happens automatically from the educational experiences when the people really feel in alignment with you. When that happens, then they want to get to know you more and have deeper conversation, and deeper relationships with you. And then you can build mentorship relationships with this small group of people that you connect with. Right. You can't do it with everyone. Mentorship is very limited, whereas education, you can do it more broad and you can share the skill with many, many people. And you can do it in a way that's very structured. Mentorship is a, is a flow you know it's a creative flow really if you if you really think about it yeah um so you have to be open to that if you're going to be a mentor and and there has to be those again those similarities
1: so you said it earlier the the landscape of the industry has like dramatically changed since you started in the industry yourself right what And I'm sure that the education part of that has also dramatically changed, Um, like regardless of just like cosmetology school, like even just like the way that people consume education today. Um, What is the number one skill, would you say, that educators of today need to hone in on to be able to thrive in an environment that's become increasingly digital?
0: Well, unfortunately, educators are going to have to get very, uh, very comfortable with digital landscaping. You know, they're going to have to be able to record videos. And I think the, the the skill that is the most underrated skill that I have had the opportunity to learn that as I've taught and coached other educators to have, and what we see is that they are terrified to be on camera. And, and maybe terror isn't necessarily the right word for it. Maybe it's a different word. Maybe it's nervousness or stage fright or something like that. But something happens when you teach to a live audience, there is a dynamic exchange of energy that happens in a live room. Whereas on a camera and you're trying to, 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 you know, on a zoom or whatever and trying to get across a point, it's very difficult. You don't get the same dynamic or you get a different kind of dynamic. And so as an educator, one of the biggest skills that I think you need to really hone in on is to get comfortable teaching on camera. And, and to deliver the information in a way on camera that is more concise, more structured, mm. more um, uh, not uh, loose and a bit fluffy, but more structured in that way. And I, and I think that that's, that's a skill that has to be practiced. It's not impossible for everybody, but you do have to practice it. And some people are a little better at it than not. And in the day and age and the trends that are happening in the industry at large is that even in recruitment and onboarding and training systems, salons who are not doing things digitally are moving at a snail's pace in comparison to salons that, that aren't, that are using digital platforms. When you can put your onboarding platforms, your, you're, you become much more organized. You become much more streamlined. It saves thousands of hours and mm-hmm. thousands of dollars in time to put that kind of thing onto a, a digital platform. When you can take your recruitment online, when you can take your training videos online, you're not repeating yourself 500 times. And you know, I think one of the biggest problems that salon owners have that I keep hearing about is they don't want to keep having to teach the same thing to people and then potentially with people leaving. This is a big problem for them. Yeah. Well, why yeah. not take everything you can teach, create a digital platform, get so good at teaching digitally and on camera that you're no longer repeating yourself that you're creating these online platforms that are doing a lot of the work for you repetitively and in a beautiful way, not just like this boring video that you're making about something boring, but you can almost teach anything and and it leads directly into building strong, structured culture. So digital is the way to go, 100%. I know that some people are very resistant to that, but Mm -hmm. but really I would encourage people to get much more comfortable with it in the future. If you want to be an educator or mentor or teacher or guide or trainer.
1: Yeah. Were you uh, always comfortable with doing that? Like being on camera? Oh, hell no. No?
0: Oh, what would you God, say no. kind of
1: changed, changed I was it for you?
0: terrible at it. Practice. Practice is what changed it for me. Um, I was horrific at it in the beginning. I was the, st- I was the one that suffered from stage fright. I had this terrible, I have an interesting story. Uh, Cosmoprof actually asked me in the beginning, I don't know how many years ago, how was that, 10 years ago to, a, a, or 12 or mm-hmm. something, a long time ago, and I was a terrible speaker at the time. Um, I mean, I'm not really perfect these days, but I'm very practiced these days. Mm-hmm. And so um, they put me on stage in front of 300 salon owners, and I created an 80-page PowerPoint <laughs> to do in two hours. And people were like, "Are you kidding me?" But, but here's the here's the there's good and bad to everything, right? So the bad is that. I knew that was a complete fail. And but then I still have people now, even now, currently 12 years later, showing me those pages that that I share in books. <laughs> wow. And I still use this as my guide. So there's good and bad to everything, but but I guess what I'm saying is how did I get good at it? I practiced it. And I was and I and I pushed through a lot of discomfort because I was very uncomfortable doing it. I didn't like it. And so when you know, the first couple podcasts I did, I was terrible at it because I was nervous and I was, I just didn't want to do it because I just didn't know how to connect to the audience in that way. But you just learn to be natural and be yourself and, and just give your best and it'll, it'll happen. You know what I think the biggest advantage of, of digital training or online education is in comparison to in person is that in person, there's a sense of um, perfection or, or um, that it needs to be like polished. Whereas online, actually, the less polished you are, the better. Mm. And so, you know, the, the, the more natural you are, the more authentic, the more real. People don't want it anymore. They, they want yeah. just to be real with me, you know? And, and I think that's really what people are looking for.
1: Yeah, that's true. So that's a benefit. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to bring you back to just like t- to touch upon a little bit of, um, you know, your career and your experience in the industry. Um, I was curious to hear you on... Who of all the mentors you would consider you've had in your career, like who has left the biggest or most significant mark on you and why that is?
0: got a lot of mentors, actually. Um, I I seek uh, learning from others. I'm very genuinely curious to learn and to know. I'm a good student, I would say. (laughs) Um, I, I can't say I'm the best student, but I'm a good student. I'm a very focused student and I'm a very diligent student. And I would say that, uh, my first, the first salon owner that I ever worked for, she, her name was Rosemary. Um, and she was a scary little old four foot 10 Asian lady. And, uh, and she was scary, scariest person I've ever known. And she was very reactive. She was a, um, she was not structured. You know, she mm. she kind of was whimsical about what she wanted. She was unclear. She wasn't a great communicator. Um so she had a lot of tough things to break through, but she she showed me how to be how to be the best. And she really pushed me and I think that was one of the more pivotal mentorship um, roles that I have been in, in a relationship I've been in. Uh, it didn't last long. It was, it lasted for five years, what it was supposed to be. Um, but I learned a lot about pushing through, being tough, delivering, keeping a good face and you know performing on the floor, all of those great things. Yeah. Um, and a lot of self-discipline. She taught me a lot of that. And then I would say Gino, you know, Sampora, who is, you know, our partner in Mentor and Masters. Uh, he is been a speaker that I have really looked up to. Uh and, and and he is always engaging an audience. He knows how to do that. So I I really strive to uh to emulate his style of connecting with an audience. I'm really kind of far off from it, but really, you know, I'm trying. I'm working hard on it. Um <laughs> and I would say when Claybaugh, uh I went to a presentation when I was a very young stylist long to ago, he was actually with Gino Stampora at this one, with the Hyatt Regency in Fair, uh, Fair Lakes. And that, that two day presentation was life altering for me. In what way? And I remember thinking, I just remember thinking, I want to do that. I want to change people's lives like that. I want to teach people like that. I want to make that kind of impact in two days for somebody. Mm. I knew it then. I, I didn't know what to do about it then, but I knew it then. It was uh, somebody that I really looked up to. Nice. In that way. And he had a beautiful style to him. Beautiful. Anyone who's heard Wynn Claybaugh can say that. Um and then of course there was Gino, you know, so I had to and at that time, that was a long time ago, it was thirty two years ago or something. I don't know. But um but at that time speaker, business speakers were not common. You know, mm-hmm. that was few and far between. I think Gino and Wynn were probably the only two or three at the time. So uh and, and it was a private uh you know, it, it was about a couple hundred people there, but it's just not that same way anymore. Um, but, but that was also a very momentous moment for me from a mentorship position. We never formally developed a mentorship relationship. Uh, but I certainly remember that like, like it was yesterday, that feeling and and what I got out of that. And then there's been a lot of small mentors along the way, um, that just have shared just, just, you know, my parents, in their whole toxic way of doing whatever has, have also taught me things that have been great mentorship moments as well. So I try to take from whatever I can in every relationship, um, you know, nuggets of gold and, 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 and wisdom wherever I can. I always try to seek the wisdom in all things. I don't know if I succeed at that all the time, but I certainly search for that. So, uh,
1: yeah, and I can appreciate that. Definitely. You talked about, um, having that moment where you were like, I want to do that. I want to, I want to change people's lives like that. What exactly is the mark that you hope to leave on people in the industry and the educators that you teach? Um, and to what kind of core value of yours is that linked to?
0: So I've put a lot of thought to this and I would say that my core value is that I want to be the vehicle to translate and relate information that I have had the opportunity to learn and understand and apply and measure the, the, the success rates of it and, or the non-success rates of it and and share it. And that's what I, who I want to be. I want to be the vehicle where that information is translated. So I hope to leave the mark of, you know, 20 years from now, looking back, I would hope people would say about me that, that I generously shared information and didn't worry about who it was for or what I was getting out of it. Um, you know, I don't want fame or any of those things. That's that's uninteresting to me. What I what I find interesting is that people that moment where two people connect and there's a spark that happens, and that spark creates a shift in someone's thinking, in their heart, and the way they feel about themselves, and in the way they feel about the way they're going to do something. Mm. That's the magic that I seek at all times, and so that's even in a, in a room with a hundred people teaching, I want to see that happen in someone's face, you know, or, or yeah. hear about it later. That is like the, the, uh, the, the, the one thing that I think is my driving force. a lot of driving force, but the big thing that's my, my core value is right. that I want to seek to impact someone in the way where, you know, I don't know. I just try to share information as best as best I can in the best way possible. I might not deliver it with the most style or the most speed or the most whatever, but, but I try to just share information that's very rel- relative and um, can help people every day. You know, who I really want to help is the people who are doing stuff every day. You know, those, those behind the chair heroes that are just doing work and, and just trying to make customers happy and just, just trying to make a living. And, and those are the people that I want to impact. Um, through just information that can make their life easier and advocate for them, as that, you know, they want to become an employer. What are some of the things that they can do that will streamline what they're doing? For example, you know, we talk about compliance paperwork and things like this. These are things that a lot of people don't want to talk about because it's not fancy, it's not glamorous, it's not fun, you know? Who wants mm-hmm. to talk about compliance paperwork? But it's necessary. And we have to prepare business owners to do that so that our industry is just stronger for it, you know? Yeah. And more
1: elevated. It's interesting that like when you, when you talked about like your, the core value and, and, you know, being the vehicle of the the learnings that you've learned and and sharing that with other people and seeing the spark in people's eyes, it just, it's, and knowing that you've studied psychology or psychiatry, um,
0: I did. I, it it I feels very
1: aligned, you know, like I feel like you would have been a very good, um, a very good, you know, licensed therapist or psychiatrist or, you know, Thanks. as well. I feel like I kind of am
0: every day. I'm not licensed, but I think I do do therapy every
1: day to some degree. <laughs> Yeah. So like when, when you teach people, right, like either from, um, close, um, you know, mentoring relationships that you might have or like education at a larger scale, when do you kind of see that spark? Is there like a, is there like typically a moment in people's career that you like tend to see like, oh, okay, here's that spark that I was looking for. Like, is there like, or is it kind of like people come in at different, you know, different stages and there's no kind of real trend or anything?
0: I don't know if I can say that there's a trend to it. Zoe. I I don't know if I can say that I can identify a trend of any kind or a a pattern, but I can say that when what we've what I've noticed and observed is that when people choose to self invest and Mm -hmm. self educate and take the time to digest the information, big things happen. And that's when we notice that all of a sudden, You know, it's, it's no longer the negative isn't coming out of the mouth or the, um, excuses aren't happening anymore. You know, people are starting to take accountability. We call that personal development and that Mm -hmm. process of personal development. When we see people go through that and really take it seriously and work on that, all of a sudden big things start happening. I think the shifts start happening then. So really I would say the trigger or the switch for me would be to go internally, look internally, and turn that stuff on, and look at that, and start working on that. And when you start doing that, that is when you can start influencing others, and encouraging others, and changing others. You know, I think that we gotta start self becoming self aware, start to become self disciplined in order to apply our the principles we want. Um, then we start to self educate, and then we mm-hmm. go on a journey of self discovery, and then you start to you know, self-analyze a little bit, self-assess, then maybe at that point you can start identifying some key points that you want to work on and start changing and being really diligent without excuses for it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start to grow in your leadership and your influence changes, you know, your ability Mm. to influence others changes. And, um, and that's when we, when we see that process happen, when I see people doing that, I know big things are coming. So that's what I would say is the shift maybe. But no, it's really different for everybody, I think. I think it just depends on the person, what they're going through.
1: Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense. The way you've explained that just there, like it makes total, total sense. As you said, and you said, like, all of a sudden, but realistically, like it's taken you know, so many steps to get there. Like it's not an overnight thing, really. Right.
0: If you want to grow, yeah. you got to go internally and work on yourself first.
1: Yeah, 100%. So if there's tools, like I know that you're very, very good at crafting great curriculums. Um, if there are tools and formulas to make presentations unforgettable, exciting, life-altering, what are tools and formulas that you need to know to be able to shape a great curriculum?
0: Well, I think that it would start with, um, first of all, identify what you want to teach. I mean, I, I think that some people, they're like, I want to teach. And I'm like, what do you want to teach? And they're like, I don't know. Like, you know, you got you to <laughs> figure out what you're really good at, right? So you have to identify expertise. So start there. So you, you got to just like you, Zoe, you're excellent at podcasting and you're excellent at sound and audio and all of those things. So you're really good at that. So that's your expertise. And, you know, me meeting you today, I don't know what other expertise layers you have, but I'd like to know more mm-hmm. about it because then, you know, I see that you have one layer of expertise. So start there, identify your expertise. Then when you identify that Narrow it down into what's, what your niche is, what you're really good at in that expertise and then go from there. And then in that, one of the tools that I would say that I use and Iva can definitely attest to this is I always, I call it the vision dump. So I would always say when you craft a curriculum, the first thing you have to do is you have to vision dump. You are not editing. You are not outlining. You're not reviewing you're not doing any of those steps. You are doing nothing but dumping your vision based out of all of your previous knowledge and experience of your expertise. Dump it down. Get it all out. doesn't have to be in order. It doesn't have to be anything. Kind of like what you do with your questions. You kind of just let yeah. a flow, right? That's what we call creative flow. Don't block it. Don't let anybody block it. Don't let anybody stop it. Don't say, oh, no, that doesn't sound right. That's not a good idea or whatever. Just say, nope, I'm in my vision dump mode. Nobody block me right now. Just let me just dump. Okay. So then when you do that, take all the information that you have and then start to create categories around it and then play it out. And then what I would say is immediately put yourself in the mindset of the student. So you got to go into the mindset of the student first. So don't be the teacher. Now you have to be the student. Once you've done vision dumping, you got to be the student and in the student, how do you think that's best for the student to learn that and then put it in that order to create the teaching flow? When you create that, try to create little tricks about how they can memorize and learn that stuff. And then you can create your curriculum organization at that point. And then you can edit. Right. And then once you're done, you can review, which is like what Gino and I did. And with Iva this morning, the three of us did a review on the curriculum for Mentor and Masters. We did that. So then we reviewed everything. We we're like, do we need that? Do we want to add this? Do we want to change that. Now you can review things and now you can kind of finalize what you're going to do. But then the real key and the real tool is to actually teach it practice it on camera. (laughs) Once you do that, you you can listen to yourself and be like, oh my God, I'm going to shoot myself, but it's horrible. But, uh, but once you kind of watch it, you're going to pick it. Trust me, you don't need me to tell you what's good and bad. You will see exactly what's good and bad. Mm. And then when you're doing that, that will be the best editor of all time. And then you can start to change your curriculum from there. And that's how I create really great curriculum. I think um, I literally go through that process, right, Iva? <laughs> over and over again. And then, and then I have support too, you know? Yeah. So I'm not, you know, sometimes you can't do it all on your, uh, on your own. You know, Iva will edit for me and kind of read through stuff. And I'll be like, what do you think? She's like, I don't like it. You know, change that. That title's weird. Um, you know, do this, that kind of thing. Or I love it. That's so perfect. And I think, you know, so getting some feedback like that, those are all really great tools to create incredible curriculum. But if you want to teach well, and, and, and by the way, guys, I know if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to teach, I'm a salon owner. Trust me. If you're a salon owner, you need to teach. It's one of your primary goals as a business owner. It is uh, required. Actually, training is required by the law. So you have to actually provide that. You can't just, I know a lot of salon owners are, I'm just going to recruit people with a lot of clients that I don't have to teach anybody. You know, those days are over. Those days are over because those people aren't looking for salons like yours, you know, salons like yours who are still trying to grow a team and all of that. They're looking for someone they're looking for independence. They're looking for flex schedules. They're looking for all kinds of things that independents are looking for. That's why self-employment is over 60% in our industry. So you need to stay in the workforce of the 40%, right? Or the 35% of people that still need somebody who helps train them, coach them, teach them, mentor them, create Mm training structures. And that's where your workforce lives. And so, uh, you know, that's what I would, would recommend
1: when you said like put yourself in the in the shoes of the student and how they would like to learn what do you mean exactly by that it, like are you referring to the different styles of learning i think there's like i can't remember i feel like my co-host back in the days had maybe said four or six i can't remember how many there are but there's like different styles and i can't remember what yeah. they are either but
0: For were maybe. you referring
1: to that or
0: yeah some people are audio visual kinesthetic. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all different types of styles of learning, but there is one thing that's hands down the truth in this industry is that people need to learn hands-on because we're creative individuals. And creative individuals, if you study the way a creative brain works from the way the information is introduced to the way the the, the information is processed, they're more circumferential thinkers. So they think like in in like multiple directions. They don't think in a linear way, right? Engineers, Mm. they think in a linear way, right? So they think this is why a lot of men are engineers. They're, they don't multitask. Well, you know, these kind of things, salon owners and creative thinkers, we think differently. It's not a weakness. It's just different. Whereas in school, in in like regular grade school, you're expected to be more like a linear thinker. We're going to lecture you study and memorize, and then you take a test. And then you get your grade. And that's how successful you are as a student. Well, anyone who's a teacher this day and age knows that that's not really a great Mm -hmm. way to teach. You know, it might be one way, but it's not the best way. And so what I mean when I say stay in the mind of the the student is you've got to be student-centric. You've got to always think, how will this relate to the student? How will this sound to the student? How will this convey to the student? Is this going to be easy for them to understand? Is this going to be easy for them to grasp? And then the teacher has to consider all the learning barriers that go inside of that. And then when you move into adult education, which is what you guys are, Solano, you're in adult education now at this point. There's a whole nother package of learning barriers that come along with that package. And so there's now work and financial and personality and spouse and all of the other barriers that can yeah. happen from that. And then you have some you know, people who can't learn because maybe they feel like they were terrible students, and so they, they lack the confidence to learn, and all of those kind of challenges. So
1: Long-term self-living beliefs and all that, yeah.
0: Right. That's right. So be student-centric. Think that way. And what I, what I, what I said that, what I mean is a lot of teachers forget what it's like to be a student. We were at a conference, Iva and I, we sat in the back of the room listening to the teachers. It was a cosmetology instructor conference, and we listened to them really complain about the students a lot and what they were really saying. And then I get it. It's frustrating. But what they were saying was distressing to us. We, we were really distressed by that. We felt like these teachers were not student centric at all. They did not understand some of the most common behaviors. Now I understand there's a lot of bullshit that happens in a cosmetology school, a lot of bad crap, bad behavior. But as an instructor, as a teacher, as a salon owner, who's creating training systems in their salon, you do have to think about what do you need to do to make this training system possible for your trainees. If it's not possible and you have all these barriers then how can you, expect if you're going to pay the minimum wage for two years, how do you expect them to live, you know, while you're doing that? This is is unrealistic. In this day and age, people will not tolerate it. The workforce won't tolerate it. So you have to change the way you think. We've evolved and you have to evolve that.
1: Yeah. Right. So like, how did you discover all of that? Like, what's the story behind you discovering what made a good or great curriculum and like that it mattered, you know?
0: Uh, well, I would say failure is my best friend. Um, you know, I've had a lot of failing, a lot of failure experiences and I, I'm very open-minded to feedback. So I would say stay very open-minded to feedback. So in all of that, I am not afraid of failure and actually I'm not afraid of feedback and I prefer the honest, brutal truth If it sucks, you got to tell me, um, so that I can edit, you know, and I'm a good editor. I edit all the time. I edit things all, it pisses Iva off. Like you can't even imagine. (laughs) It makes everybody crazy because I edit constantly, but it's something that I find to be very important because after I teach it one time, I'm like, Oh my God, I could have done this different, that different, this, you know, and then I get feedback and then I go back and edit and then I teach it a second time. And all of a sudden all new revelations appear. So that's what I think has happened is those, those, I've kind of walked the walk of doing it. So one, two, I'm a good researcher. So I I like to research a lot of information and I am a very good student. So I've also, um, I put myself in the students shoes quite often. Mm. And so Mm. I don't forget what it's like to be a student. You know, I think some people choose to not learn because they think they, they know it all and they don't want to learn. And then they don't, put themselves in the shoes of a student. You got to be a student to know how a student thinks. If you don't, you're not going to know that. So I think that's been all the tools that I've used to really rely on that. And I've observed amazing instructors and teachers and guides and trainers, and I've observed really terrible ones. And so ones they're really, really good, you kind of take notes and you you emulate and you copy and you make it your own style and then you develop your own style. So that's what I would say happened. It's 25 years of teaching, Mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, You can't teach for one year thinking you're going to be the best. You got to put in the work and uh, I can help guide you and teach you. And Gino can help teach you and guide you. And all the ones that are great coaches for this topic can teach you and guide you. There's not a lot in our industry that can do that. Uh, We're few and far between, but but those that are really good at it um, can teach you how to be a better educator, so that you don't make the mistakes that we did for twenty years. You know, right. you just yeah. move forward to the to this more success range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So you mentioned not being afraid of failure and um, being very, very keen on feedback. And this might be this might feel like a very like far stretch for. Um, for a segue, but I'm, I'm curious, like, are you familiar with Brené Brown's work at all? Yes, okay. very much. <laughs> okay. Um, I was wondering, like, when you think of education and specifically like your career in education, where do you feel like you need to be vulnerable? And what did the call to courage, that's like something that she speaks about a lot, right? What did that look like for you?
0: Yeah. You know, Brene Brown and Iva and I were, it's like we were triplets or something, I think. (laughs) Right, Iva? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love her. Um, And her last book really spoke to me, um, the Atlas of the Heart book. Have you read that? I
1: haven't. I haven't read it yet. No.
0: Zoe. It's on my list. You're going to be like, whoa, whoa. But, um, you know, the thing about Brene Brown is this, is that she is a teacher that is interested only in the most authentic answer that you can give. You gotta, you gotta give mm-hmm. her credit for that. And, uh, and she, she also likes to talk about the hard things that people don't want to talk about, you know? Yeah. And, uh, she, she, and she really explains why failure is a complete necessity to success. I mean, it's not just, uh, you know, in, in having courage to, to fail, to do it and try and fail, and, you know, not to take it personal and not to, you know, get your panties and wad about it is pretty interesting, you know, but I, I love her take on vulnerability and you have to learn to be vulnerable and not egotistical. Right. And, um, you know, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know if you read a lot of his books, but if you haven't, you would really, they would resonate with you tremendously. One of the best leadership books I've ever read was called, uh, was, was from Eckhart Tolle. And, mm-hmm. and he, he wrote many, many different ones, The Meaning of Life, um, The Power of Now, um, and, uh, uh, and, and all of these books. And so you have to look at these, when you read these, What they, he really explains one simple concept is that ego is just kind of a facade that we create and it doesn't let us be vulnerable in the moment. And as a business owner, I think we can forget to be vulnerable with our team And I think that that's a mistake. I think you have to be very open to them and be very vulnerable with them and very real. I think the workforce now really demands that from their business owners. They don't want these glamorous looking, you know, people that do everything perfectly and well and right. And they don't want, you know, you to tell them what they're doing wrong constantly and then, you know, saying, be be like me that's just no longer relevant in the workplace, especially in the beauty industry. And then I know some business owners struggle to get out of that mode a little bit. So we have to try really hard to get out of that mode, but I think vulnerability uh, is critical to being a good leader. Um, You know, so practice that and just don't be afraid of failure. It, it, it is part of the process and without it, you will never succeed at anything. If you limit yourself by never trying so that, just in order to not fail, where are you going to ever get? I mean, I'm a, I, and I, I would tell you as a business owner, I was a failure as a salon owner in the beginning. You know, I was um, reactive, I was bossy, I was micromanaging in a bad way, not a good way. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I didn't teach people. I told people, you know, I just wasn't great, but you learn and, and, uh, you know, accept it for what it is. Stop taking it personal, move on. You no, know? she, uh, Brené Brown says something in her new book called Atlas of the Heart. She, she mentioned a word that has really resonated with me. It's become honestly my favorite word of all time. She used the word schadenfreude uh, or schadenfreude. Okay. I don't know if that's the, how you pronounce it, but it was on Ted Lasso as well. It was brought up as a subject matter on Ted, one of Ted Lasso's episodes, but it is the, the, the simplest definition of it is that you derive great joy from others suffering and misery. Is Schadenfreude, which I like to compare to the word "throwing shade." So you know when you throw shade at people, or mm. you you know you kind of um, you know you 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 commiserate. And and she's mentioned something that when you are joining in a collective of shade and Freud, it is incredibly toxic to a culture and an environment, mm-hmm. and, uh, and incredibly toxic to someone's confidence and self morale and self esteem. So the opposite of Schadenfreude is Freudian which is deriving great joy from someone else's success and, uh, and, and accomplishments. And that's what I strive to do at the core of everything is to have Freudian to be celebrating everyone's successes, to help facilitate the growth and the, the, um, the, 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 just the understanding of who they are and who they're becoming and, and just no. all the accomplishments that one can have when they achieve that, even through failures. So to demonstrate that as well, I think that's really important.
1: And wouldn't society and culture be so much better off with uh, more people thinking that way and doing that, right?
0: I think more people are. I think more people are. I think that Mm -hmm. there's a bit of call to action, you know, about that. And I think people are really striving, especially with so much accessible information these days. I think everyone is really becoming much more aware. I know there's certain pockets of things that, you know, are unpleasant, but you know, not everything is, there's a lot of really great, wonderful things out there too.
1: Yeah. 100%. Nikki, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I've, you know, I, I could keep talking for hours, um, but I do want to hear you on mentors and masters cause it's coming up really, really soon. Um, so November 6th, November 7th, if I'm not mistaken, yes. um, can you give yes. me a bit of a spiel and how, you know, how people can get access to, uh, going to that event?
0: So on Facebook, we have a page called Mentor and Masters. So if you just go to Facebook and get onto Mentor and Masters, you can see every single post that we make about it and every single thing and all the links to enroll. Um, also, if you go to statementsstrong.com, so www.statementsstrong.com, if you just put that into the search bar, it'll pull up our business library or our, our online business library. It's very robust. There's hundreds and hundreds of business videos on there. Some of them are free. Some of them are not. Uh, but we keep them all very affordable. Mentor and Masters is a live event. We call it a Salon Business Leadership Conference. It is designed for salon owners and salon professionals and salon leaders. It is the curriculum is very robust, very comprehensive, and it's designed to help the business owner create um, uh, uh, projects for 2023 and 2024 That I believe very much, uh, and Gino, when we talk about it with Iva, we research it, there are some core things that are happening that are trends, I believe, in the the beauty industry. or actually actually just small business at large, not just necessarily the salon industry. I think the salon industry is slightly behind the curve a little. Um, But recruitment foundations need to look different. Uh, So we'll talk a lot about recruitment techniques, recruitment strategies, and uh, building what we call an employer brand, who you really want to be in the marketplace, all the things that we talked about today, um, I think very, very relevant to that, Uh, an employee brand and your business brand and what you are going to be selling. And we're going to be talking about what employees really want. What does the workforce really want uh, to to get from a company that they're going to choose to work for? You said something really amazing about Forrest in the beginning, which is like, they were dead on with exactly what you think. And they, they have stayed true to their, their employer brand for you. And that's a beautiful, beautiful statement for forest. Um, that's why I really feel strongly about that. This is definitely something that leads into mentor and masters. So I want to help sliders create that. Amazing. And then the next is going to be onboarding. It's a really big topic for us. Uh, it statistics read that small businesses or any businesses that onboard in a very structured and strategic way. Um, will create longer-term employees and longer employment. Uh, It will drive somebody from one, two, three years of employment up to 12, 15, 20 years. It's it's statistically proven. Um, It's because that initial meeting of the company, if that's done beautifully, done well, you can drive home culture, you can create... Uh, connection to that employee. You can get rid of all, you know, the policies, the procedures, the rules or whatever. You can get that all done pre-onboarding, yeah. all of that. So we'll be sharing about how to take that to a digital online platform uh, and to streamline it a little bit for you. I know it's a little out of the box, but it's really going to make a big difference for business owners, I believe. And I think Forrest would be very interested in understanding that as well.
1: Oh yeah, uh, 100%.
0: Yeah. And then we'll be moving into training systems and then leadership concepts and how to create um, uh, employee workflows and things to create clarity for your employees. Uh, And then we have five other guest speakers that are going to be coming as well. So Gino and I are really the first day. And then we have about five very, very strong speakers that are coming to talk about all those different core topics as well. Uh, So we we have just an amazing lineup for everybody at Mentor Masters. It's November 6th and 7th in Ellicott City, Maryland. Um, uh, you can fly into BWI for it. So if you need to fly in and, uh, if you want to just reach out and talk to us, reach out on my email, you can email Iva at I Sam Pillar S A M P I L L E R at gmail.com. So that's I Sam Pillar at gmail.com. She can answer any questions. We're getting short on time guys, but here's the good news. You can enroll virtually. Amazing. Uh, So if you can't make it in person, We are recording the entire thing and you can be present to get all of the materials. So you're actually live streaming it. We're live streaming it, dude. And, and not only that, but we're giving all of the handouts. We are giving an entire onboarding package on a USB to every attendee. And so they will get that as well. So you'll get all of it and they can sit there and watch it for two days and they'll get the recording too. So they can come back to it. They need to, there'll be a lot of information. They'll probably want to repeat, but
1: amazing. Yeah. Listen, Nikki, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing so openly, candidly with me. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. I hope we can, you know, keep in touch. And I know that's something that you were very keen to do as well. Very um, much. Love you know, it. When, whenever you fly into Montreal or you know, whenever I'm <laughs> going to the States, I'll let you know. But yeah, hope to meet you soon in person. <laughs> but I this love has been that. Yeah, this has been lovely.
0: Awesome, Zoe. Thank you so much.
1: Trying to make all of your business goals a reality can certainly come with its challenges. But the weight of the world doesn't have to lie on just your shoulders. As your circumstances change, as you face different setbacks, or even just plan for the future, you might feel the need to reach out to your network, community, or simply people with different experiences. Whether you're looking for mentorship, training for your team, or self-serve education, the Statements Project can be a valuable resource to help you improve both the employee experience, getting laser-focused on creating happy workplace environments with coordinated leadership and growing teams, and the guest experience, putting into action world-class customer service, tenacious skill, and service consistency. Plus, as Nikki mentioned, Gino Stampora, Iva Stampiller, and Nikki herself are joining forces on November six and seven for Mentor and Masters, a premier business leadership conference for salon professionals. Blending their dynamic teaching styles, Gino's impeccable emphasis on the essence of beauty and Nikki's flawless focus on the substance... Together they create a unique learning opportunity. And from this year's edition and lineup of additional educators and business experts, you can expect to hear content that speaks to developing a foundation for recruiting, elevating your hiring processes, organizing a digital onboarding process, systemizing salon training, and creating an internal leadership support team that leads with empathy, knowledge, and competency. So once again, if you'd like to attend the Mentor and Master's Conference in person or virtually, you can enroll via the links on their Facebook page or directly in the show notes or by getting in touch with Iva Stampiller directly at isampiller at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to Forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show and check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at ForestFM at Forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting edge post production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.